Have you guys ever been out about in your normal daily activities, whether you're um, shopping somewhere or you go to a restaurant out of town or something, and you go and you run smack into a language barrier? You run smack into someone that speaks a completely different language than you, and right there, you can't understand each other. When that happens, when you run into someone that speaks a different language, there's a little bit of grace in that because there's not these really high expectations that either one of you really know what's being spoke of or what's going on. So there's that grace in that. We know that you're from a different country and you speak different languages, so there's not as much pressure on that conversation to go smoothly. But it's different when you speak the same language as somebody, but there's still that language barrier. And what I mean by that is um, when you run into somebody and they may be from the same country, they may speak English just like you, but they come from a different background, a different um, area in the country, and there's different words, and they have different meanings in situations like that. Um, one of the instances I can think of is I have some cousins that live in Oklahoma, and years ago they came down to stay with us, and when he got here, um, he was like, hey, Chris, do you got a pair of pants I could borrow? And me, coming up in little old Sunnyside, Utah, like, yeah, we called them Levi's. I didn't care what brand it was, they were Levi's. And so I told him, yeah, Brandon, there's a pair of Levi's in my drawer. Go ahead and go in there and get them. So he's in there looking through my drawers, searching for something that's not there. To him back there, Levi's was this specific brand. To me, it was anything denim. To them, it was jeans. And so, I, just by one word or one difference in where we're from or what we believe, there was a language barrier there. It would also be the same if I was to take anybody in this room out on the disc golf course except for TJ. <laughs> if we go out there and I'm like, you're like, what should I do next? And I'm like, well, you probably should get your most overstable high-speed driver and throw a huge hyzer up over the trees. You guys would be like, what the heck did this guy just say? What is he talking about? Or if I said, you know, get something understable and you want to hyzer flip it and bring it in and hyzer around to the basket that direction, you guys wouldn't know what I'm talking about. And often in our Christian walks, that can happen as well. When we go and we go to share the gospel with somebody and we go to proclaim Jesus with somebody, we can run into those types of language barriers because there are many different people from different types of backgrounds, different types of beliefs. You maybe run into somebody that's an atheist or an agnostic or LDS or Islamic or Jehovah Witness or somebody that believes in Christ but they just barely are starting to walk along with them. And you can be coming to them and you can speaking things of sanctification and washed by the blood of Christ and those things are gonna be foreign to them. They're not gonna understand what you're talking about. So today we're gonna, we're gonna take a look at um, an instant like this and we're gonna learn some things from Paul. One of the instances I think of when, it, when I think about um, that kind of miscommunication in sharing the gospel with somebody is about two years ago, um, I got a message that I'd been waiting to hear for quite some time. I got a message from my sisters, and not just sister, but both of them saying, we're sick of the life we're leading, we wanna go to rehab and get help. 
And, and in that time, I was uh, involved a lot with Davey and Anastasia and them guys and with the Lost and Found Ministries and stuff. And I was like, that's great. That's great news, you know. We did some things. We raised some funds, and we got them shipped off to rehab. And in the time, I was telling them, I'm so happy that you guys want to do this. I'm so happy that you want to go. We're going to send you to this rehab. It's a Christ-centered rehab. And, and um, I started using terms with my sisters like, all of these burdens you have, lay, lay them at the feet of Jesus. Um, he can save you. He will, he will bear your burdens. And they didn't know what I was talking about. I wasn't giving them anything tangible that they could go out and they could show up to this rehab and say, okay, this is what my brother was talking about. They showed up and there was people saying, you know, uh, the same thing I was saying. They were using these biblical terms, these further along in Christianity terms, and after 24 hours, both of my sisters ran from the rehab. And the condition of their heart at the time, I'm sure had a lot to do with it too, but being somewhere in a different place, in a different state where they don't know nothing, and they're struggling with a physical addiction. They're sick at this point. Their body's feeling horrible. They're crumbling inside. They're totally out of their element. And someone's saying, read 1 John 3.13. That'll help. They're like, read what? And they ended up leaving. Um, today we're going to... We're going to take a look at Paul as he's sharing with the Areopagos in uh, Athens. But just to recap a little bit, um, last week I went over how um, Paul had went to Thessalonica, and then he went to Berea, and then he went to Athens. And in those areas, when he first came, he encountered, uh, he, his first step would be to go to the synagogue. And he would go to the synagogue, and he would encounter the Jews, and he would reason with them from the Old Testament scriptures, and he would speak their language with them. He knew their beliefs. He knew um, the things that they were worried about. He knew the things that were roadblocks to them, and he spoke their language to them. What we're going to see now is while he still reasons with these people from the scriptures, he's had to change his message because the audience has changed. The people receiving the message are different. And so he runs into two groups of people. When he gets, when he gets to this point, he runs into the Epicureans and the Stoics. And the Epicureans, they were believers, and they followed the teachings of a man named Epicurus. And this philosophy of the Epicureans was basically atheism. It was an atheism belief system. And then the, you have the Stoics. The Stoics, they followed the teachings of a man named Zeno. And, and Zeno's teaching was um, man's way to happiness, it comes from being in one with the universe being at peace with the universe. And so now he's got a different audience from the ones he's been speaking to. He's been speaking to people that follow Judaism. And now he's got another audience that consists of two totally different beliefs. So he's going to tailor his message so that they can still hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. But he's going to do it in a way that we can look at and we can gather information from and it could help us when we encounter dis different groups, different p belief systems. And so I wanted us to gather from those things today. Um, 
There's going to be three key moments anytime you're ever sharing the gospel with somebody. There's going to be before you even engage in the conversation. There's going to be what happens during the conversation and then what you should do after the conversation. And so we're going to take a look at this small example uh, that we have from Acts chapter 17. And we're going to take a look and see what we can grab from that. And we can take that with us out of the chairs that you guys are sitting with. Take them with you out into your lives, and you can use this and you can apply this knowledge so that it makes sharing the gospel not so intimidating, not so scary, and it's something that you can tangibly grasp and take with you. So today we're going to be in Acts chapter 17. We're going to backtrack and go over some of the verses that I used last week in my sermon, but if you guys want to take a second and turn to Acts chapter 17, we're going to be going... 16 through the end of the chapter 34 today. But before we jump into God's word, will you guys join me in prayer? Father God, we thank you for the building that we're in right now. We thank you for the country we live in. We thank you that we are able to come to a place and worship your name without threats of persecution. Father God, as we dive into your word today, I ask you to expose each of our hearts where there needs to be exposing. Reach the depths of our souls where we may fall short or where we may excel, that we can take these things that we learn from your word and in growing closer with you through this, we learn how we can go share your love and your gospel with others. I thank you for all the bodies that are in here today, Lord. I just, uh, I cast away any distractions from the enemy, any of the tactics that he may use to draw out people's attention and keep them away from focusing on your word and your love. I do that in Jesus' name. Lord, we love you. We don't deserve your grace, but we wake up each and every morning with a new measure of it. Jesus, it's in your beautiful name we pray. Amen. So we're going to start off doing verses 16 through 21. Now, while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him, and he saw that the city was full of idols. So when he reasoned in the so so when he reasoned with them in the synagogue, the Jews and the devout persons, and in the marketplace every day, and with those who happened to be there. Some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers conversed with him, and some said, What does this babbler say? Others said, He seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to the Areopagus, saying, May we know what this, what this new teaching is that you are presenting. For you bring some strange things to our ears, and we wish to know, therefore, what these things mean. Now all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there would spend their time in nothing except telling or hearing of something new. First thing we see in this is right there in verse 16. It says, now as Paul was waiting for them in Athens, and waiting for them, it's talking about Silas and Timothy. He's in Athens and he's waiting for Silas and Timothy. And it says, his spirit was provoked within him when he saw the city 
was full of idols. His spirit was provoked. He was walking around this town and he sees all of these statues, all of these carvings, all of these inscriptions that are idols that these people are worshiping and praying. And it provoked his spirit. It provoked his spirit for a couple reasons, I believe. One, a few chapters back in the book of Acts, he had an encounter on the road to Damascus with Jesus. In that encounter, he encountered the true living Jesus Christ. He understands that God is not some statue, is not some carving. He understands God is a person and he's alive. And so that provoked his spirit. This, uh, this word provoked in, in the Greek language that I was finding is it, 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 it pains him. It brings anguish, almost to the point of anger. So he's provoked in finding this, these idols because he knows God is not some piece of wood, some chunk of bronze, some bit of gold. And he sees this, and it pains him. And I think there's a second reason he pa this pains him too. The second reason would be is he knows the scriptures. He knows the outcome for people that worship idols. He knows that worshiping idols is not going to work out well for them in the end. He knows their outcome, and he looks at them with a heart of love. He looks at them like, these people don't even know what they're worshiping and where they're going to end up. That pains him. It pains his heart. It brings him anguish. So, one of the things we can gather for this, we're going to start with the, with the three areas I told you about. We can, we can learn what to do before we preach the gospel, during, and after. So we're going to take a look at this little segment right here that we looked at, and we're going we're gonna to see what we can do before. Before we ever engage with somebody, before we ever engage in a conversation of sharing the gospel, we need to check our hearts. We need to check our hearts and make sure that we're looking at people with love and with care. We're looking at these people and we're looking and we're going, man, I don't want you to miss out on eternity with Christ. We got to look to the lost with a heart that cares for them. When we walk around Price or Wellington Helper, East Carbon, wherever you're from, when you walk around the town and you see people, you see people that may not know Christ and that are lost and that are struggling, do you look on them with a heart that longs for them to know Christ? Do you look on them with a heart that wants to go out and help and share them, share with them? Do you look on them and say, I know where they're going to end up and I don't want them to end up there. It's the same type of look that we should be giving, we should be looking at the lost and the broken with this heart. Why? Because Christ looked at us that way. We're the same people that they were. We're from the same beliefs and backgrounds and we had the same struggles. And Christ looked at us and he said, you know what? Chris, I see you down there stealing from people, doing drugs, hurting people, having this rough life. He's all, but you know what? I'm going to climb on that cross anyway. I'm going to climb on that because you're that person. 
And that's the way we should be looking at the people in our community. Before we ever engage in a conversation, we need to check our heart. And that brought me to thinking about a movie that Tony shared with me just recently last week. He shared this video about a gentleman who was raised in Islam and um, he was challenged by one of his friends to um, just investigate the Bible a little bit. Like, you don't believe it? Just look into it with all the skepticism that you want. Dig into this and look at the Bible. And his, his buddy started looking at it and digging into it. And he started, throughout the process, he, he grew to believe that um, probably 85% of the stuff that he studied and investigated did happen. And before all of this started, there was one, there was one girl that he encountered. And this one girl in a class he was in encountered him, and she said, do you know Jesus? And... So he went through this long process of investigating Christianity, and, and in the end, he came around to find out that Jesus was real, and he could be saved by him. But one of the things that he said that really stuck out to me and really impacted me is he said, now that I know Christ and now that I know Christianity, he's all, it pains me. There was only one person that offered the gospel to me. So that told me two things. One, all the other Christians in that room did not really believe their faith that they were speaking, or two, they didn't really care if I went to hell. We check our hearts. We make sure we're coming to people out of love and that we're not coming to them because we got some magical thing that we want to share with everyone. We come to them because it hurts us to know where they're going to end up. It hurts us to know that they're on a rough and rocky road. And, and really, it should burden us. It should burden us to, the, to think about the fact that there's people each and every day that we run into, that we rub shoulders with, that we work with, that we know in different areas in our lives. It should pain us to know that some of those people aren't going to be standing in heaven with us when, when that day and time comes. That should be enough to provoke a heart in us to where they're, whatever it is, however intimidating it is, that... We want to share the gospel with them. Next, we need to prepare more than just our hearts on our side. We need to understand the people that we're sharing with. We need to understand who they are, what they're going through, and be able to rate, relate to them on a level. Um, if we look at verses 22 and 23, it says, Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. As I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. Therefore, you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. We see that before the conversation even began, We see that he took the time to understand the people. Paul took the time in this instance to walk around the city, and he walked around the city, and he seen the idols, and he, he didn't just walk around and say, oh, there's another statue. There's another idol. He walked around, and he really got to know who he was going to be speaking to. He read the inscriptions so that when he went to them, he came to them with something that they were familiar with and they, were under, and they knew to be true. Um, 
that there was that inscription, and he came to them, and they was able to have some common ground. When you come to somebody, and it shows that you've been paying attention to who they are or what they're going through, it earns a type of respect where they are willing to listen. There's a saying I found that says, Nobody truly cares how much you know until they know how much you truly care. Learning about people, learning what they're going through, it helps on so many different levels. If you want to go to somebody that is in your life or somebody that you feel, hey man, this person is lost, I want them to know Jesus Christ, and you, you want to go to them and say, look, I know that you're facing these struggles, but God can help. Doesn't it come across a lot more sincere when you say, look, I know that you're struggling with porn or addiction, and I know that this has been something you've been facing for a long time. I've seen where you were, and I see where you are, and you show some details, and you show that you've paid attention to their life, and you've actually taken things in. They'll receive that message a lot easier. It's hard to come to somebody and say, um, God can help you achieve all these aspirations in your life if you've never took the time to learn what their aspirations are. It's hard to go to somebody and say, look, I know you have these fears, but God can help you navigate through these fears and come out in a better place if you've never taken the time to identify what some of their fears are. So before we go to somebody and before we engage in the conversation, we need to do a couple of things. We need to check our heart and make sure we're doing it out of a place of love. And we need to show that we care about those people by listening when they speak, getting to know them, getting to know the things they struggle with. We all have friends, we all have people around here that have idols in our lives. Do you pay attention? What are some of the things that your friends are idolizing and putting before God? Is it money? Is it a career? Is it um, a relationship? Is it comfort? I don't want to be rich. I don't want to have all this money. I just want to be comfortable. I want to be able to go uh, on a little vacation here and there and put some things in the bank. Those things are fine and dandy, but when they take that and that becomes their main focus and God and everything else becomes secondary, they're idolizing it. It's easy for you to go to somebody and speak to them when you've paid attention. And third, most importantly, is knowing the scriptures, knowing what the Bible says. So when you go to these people and you go with a heart that cares and you go and you've paid attention to the person and what it is they're struggling to and they come to you with some questions, well, why do you say that? You can reason with them from the scriptures as Paul had done all through the synagogues before. You're adept in what the Bible says and what it teaches, and you can paint a clear picture for them. You can walk them through it tangibly. You can sit down with somebody and say, look, I was going through that too, and I didn't understand that what being free was all about. I always took freedom as something physical. I'm not in jail, or I am in jail, or I'm, where am I at? Freedom comes through Christ, and you can take somebody and you can walk them through these things.
Next, we're going to look at what we can do during the conversation. In the beginning, I talked about um, my sisters going off to rehab and how after a, a day or two, they took off and they ran. When I got the phone call, hey, we left. That place wasn't for us. They were just trying to shove the Bible down my throat. I'm sick. I'm scared. That wasn't for me. When the actual conversation did engage and start to happen, I got defensive. I got mad. I'm like, I took it like this was about me or something, and I got angry. That wasn't the right thing to do. We'll just say that. That didn't work out well. We'll look at verses 22 through 31. So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive to you that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. What therefore you worship is unknown, I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man. Nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined allotted period and boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. For in him... We live and move and have our being. Even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought not think about the divine things like being gold or silver or stone, or an image formed by the art and imagination of man, the times of ignorance of God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed it. He has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in a righteousness by man whom he has appointed, and he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. In the first part of that, he says, I found an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God, what therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. When my sisters called and I got the phone call from my mom and all these people are calling me that they're gone and they ran off, I got defensive and I got angry and I was upset and I was, I was hurt by it and uh, all the things that were not the main focus. I should have engaged in a conversation and listened to what they had to say. Paul, in this instant, he goes in and he says, look, I seen this scripture and I was reading it and it says, to the unknown God. So guess what? I know who that is. He draws them into the conversation. And he, he uses both things from diff, their, both of their different beliefs. The atheist Epicureans and the Stoics that believe that you get all your happiness from being in tune with the universe. He says, he points out things to them. He's all, look. God made the world and everything in it. You're trying to be at one with the universe. You're trying to be at one with the stars or the trees or all these things in the universe. God created these things. Just be at one with him. Be at peace with him. He engaged them with the things that they knew and he was able to share with them in a way that shows he was listening, he cares, he was paying attention. 
And we see that he's prepared, that he knows scripture. And we know that about Paul. We know he came from a, a, a Jewish um, teacher that had taught him and poured scripture into him. But he, he didn't come to them with a language that they couldn't understand. These people wouldn't have met the same language. He came to them in a way that was natural. It's something I should have did with my sisters. When I got on the phone with them, they started telling me, look, Chris, I don't like this, I don't like it. And I'm like, look, you need to, you need to just accept it. Lay at God's feet. You'll, you'll experience repentance. There'll be sanctification. They had no idea what I was talking about. He encountered them in a natural way that they were comfortable in the conversation. It was something they were familiar with, but yet it was the gospel, and he was able to reach them. And then we're, now we're going to look at verses 32 through 34. And 32 through 34 is going to show us what we can do after. Now when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, but others said, we will hear you again about this. So Paul went out from their midst. Men joined him and believed. And among them also were Dionysus, the Areopagite, and a woman named Demarius and others. The thing that we can do after sharing the gospel with them, the thing that we must do after sharing the gospel with somebody is remain consistent and persistent. It says right there, some believe, but some did not and said, we will hear you about this again. Man, it would be so nice if every time I went out to somebody and shared the gospel with them, as soon as the conversation was over, we were heading back here. Tony, fill up the baptismal. I got another one. We're coming back. It doesn't always work like that. People are in different areas in their lives. They have different struggles they're facing, different things that they fear from accepting them into their lives. It takes a consistency. It takes some persistence. It's like the analogy that we see so much in the Bible of planting a seed or gardening. You go to somebody and you share the gospel with them. That seed has become planted. But there's maintenance that comes along with growing a garden. You've got to water it. You've got to pull the weeds. You've got to maintain it. You've got to make sure it gets sunlight. And we're planting the seeds in people's lives that are not always going to fall at the feet of Christ the first time we share with them. I began by talking about checking our heart and showing that we care. There's no other way to show that we don't care than by sharing the gospel with someone and you're like, oh, you know what? That didn't sink in. On to the next one. I'm giving up. All of the work we've done up to that point in, in knowing the person, engaging in the person, checking our heart and showing them the, that we care, it all goes out the window if you share one time with somebody and it don't go the way you planned and you just walk away at that point. So the three areas I wanted to focus in on that was before we share with someone. Before we ever share with someone, we got to prepare our hearts, do it out of love, Understand the person and their situation and know scripture. The second is during. During the conversation, we don't want to become confrontational or offended or we want to engage. 
We want to relate to the person, and we want to conversate with them with the gospel. And then after, we want to remain consistent. And this may look different to different people. It could be a text message, hey, we miss you, man. We're praying for you. If there's anything you need, let us know. Hey, would you like to get a cup of coffee sometime and just talk and catch up and see where you're at? The consistency that that person matters to you and that there's a relationship there over time, some will begin to grow and some won't. And that hurts. To close, I'll finish telling you about my sisters. Both of them ran, both of them left, and as of right now, my sister Michelle has been baptized. She's attending church with her kids on Sundays with my grandma in East Carbon, and that seed has grown. It didn't happen in the timing I wanted it. It didn't happen with the plan that we had right there in focus, but God was at work through the whole time. And that consistency from my family and everybody just showing support and reaching out, that seed has grown. My sister Sheena, I don't hear from her much. She's out, she's in the streets, she's using, she's struggling, and she's lost. I pray in those moments, I pray in the times that uh, it really hits my heart like, man, I wish it would have stuck. And then I find myself focusing the prayer on how I wanted it to go again. I find myself more often than not praying, God, wherever she's at, whatever she's in the midst of, be at work in that situation. So those are some of the things I don't want us to leave in the seats when we leave today. Think about the people in your life. Think about the people that you know and think about them in, in, in the aspect of eternity. When this little short stay here is over, when this little short stay is gone and passed, when we're standing in the presence of the king, who's gonna be standing there with you? And if you don't see that person's face in that thought or in that memory at that time, go out and find them. Reach out to them. Show them you care. Get to know them. Engage them in conversation and share the gospel. Let's pray. Father God, it can be so intimidating sometimes to approach somebody, to approach somebody and say, this Jesus that I know, he loves you and I want to share him with you. But it's much easier to come to somebody and say, I love you, brother. I love you, sister. Holy Spirit, give us courage as we go out this week and every week after that. As we go out into our lives and we run into people that we know and we encounter, give us the courage and the understanding to reach out to people. Let us put our own fears, selfish ambitions aside and realize that it's about eternity in heaven. Father God, we're so thankful that we have your grace and we have your love. So grateful that we are able to gather here today and learn from your word on how we can reach those that we care about around us. Jesus, we thank you for your life and your death and for raising again to reunite us with the Father and to tear the veil. It's in your beautiful name we pray. Amen.